Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Professor Louise Crowley, um, you have been speaking this week about having contracted COVID yourself back in December. What was the experience like for yourself? Uh, well, Fiona, I suppose it's, it's sometimes hard to put in words the extent of um, the trauma involved, the challenge into my health, uh, my physical health, obviously primarily, but also the experience of 50 days isolation um, in the high dependency unit in the CUH. Obviously, it was in the middle of the pandemic, so there was no visitors allowed. So I didn't see my husband or three kids for all of that time, which obviously is really difficult in itself. But also, I suppose the fear that that you have when you're isolated like that and you know that you're facing a life-challenging situation um, and then all the medical issues that I faced whilst there and very much ongoing since then. Because you had been so careful all along to try and avoid contracting it because you did have an underlying condition yourself, didn't you? Yeah, so I suppose the irony of being so well behaved since early March, in fact, I approached my boss for the 13th of March before the country shut down about a week or two in advance, knowing how vulnerable I was mm. uh, as a lupus, um, and, uh, which puts me in a very compromised position. I've been on um, immunosuppressants since 1993. And so I knew to take kind of proactive steps ever before kind of the nation was told to shut down and I had, you know, that I had permission to work from home immediately. And so from that time in very early March, I... Let's just say I didn't do a gro- I haven't done a grocery shop since. I very much cut myself off from from society, knowing that I had to stay safe, that I couldn't be exposed to even the possibility of of COVID. And obviously, that had repercussions for my kids, who were incredibly wary of their importance of being safe. And so, you know, not going into houses of friends and not going into the car with you know you know no no carpooling and all that kind of stuff. They mm-hmm. were very careful. So we lived in a sort of a bubble all the way through to make sure I was safe and not exposed. So. When I did take a few falls in early November and had to be brought to UH in an ambulance, little did I know that it was going to be within the hospital setting that actually I was going to unfortunately um, contract COVID. And so that, that was very I suppose, difficult, uh, given all the safety precautions I'd taken over the course of that those seven or eight months. But it was what it was. Um, and I contracted it in the UH, yeah. And if you were in hospital for 50 days, you were obviously very, very ill at the time. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously I went in with the fractures first day, but once I contracted COVID, um, within a few days, it became obvious that it was very serious. So 
I was in a, a special room, you know, um, a sealed room, and uh, it started affecting all parts of my body. So obviously the, the lungs were the main problem insofar as I literally couldn't breathe. And um, I had a lung collapse at one stage and uh, bilateral pneumonia. And so I was on, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the very strong COVID breathing machine. They were trying with whether to put me in ICU or not, but because I'm so vulnerable that, you know, the idea of... Um, putting me through that whole process would further challenge my body. So I stayed on this high-intensity oxygen mask for 10 days and 10 nights, 24-7, sleeping, sitting up when I could sleep. Um, and it was just really intense. I often say it was like sticking your head out of the car in the motorway. You know, the mm. oxygen being blasted to keep me going, to try and keep my lungs functioning to the point that it actually burst my esophagus um, towards the end of it, which led to its own issues about not being able to eat and having to be fed through uh, a pick in a pick line in my my arm for ten days to allow the esophagus to heal, and then on top of that there were you know all the issues arising from you know I couldn't eat so I hadn't any nutrition to try and help my body keep going, and then it was the whole physical onslaught. So I you know I couldn't use the bathroom facilities, I couldn't get out of the bed, so they would have to prone me, which is lie you upside down as in on your on your front to try and help the lungs to recuperate and then try and get me to sit out on the seat but I would last five minutes and then have to be carried back into the bed you know I couldn't sit up in the bed I couldn't do anything I had to be physically minded in every way you could imagine because it got so severe um so in that moment I suppose it was very frightening I didn't I didn't entertain the thoughts too too often I'm a very positive person and kind of living it every two hours I would just say to myself just get through the next two hours just get through the next two hours and then but every now and again you know, the severity of the situation would hit me. You know, was I going to get home at all? You know, how was I going to recover from this? Um, now, I have to say the medical care was phenomenal um, and the nurses were, kindness doesn't even begin to describe the generosity of all they did for me all day. I was 24-7 care, um, you know, and the most intimate things that they would help me with um, uh, and just mind me. And when I got low, they would sit with me and reassure me and you know if I was crying they would hold my hand and just talk to me knowing that I had no one to talk to or meet with and I mean wonderful nurses I remember there was a Joanne from Mallow um, and the wonderful nurse used to my mate and I called Anita but I never knew them I could only see their eyes everybody was gowned up um, so it was a very surreal experience I'm just so grateful to have come out the other side it must have been so great to have them there because, as you said, you were 50 days without seeing your husband and your children. And, I mean, when you're down, when you're sick, there's nothing better than a hug from those you love. And yeah. not being able to get that must have been horrendous. Yeah, it was very difficult. Um, and that's when I was at my lowest, the nurses uh, and the doctors, but the nurses in particular were there for me. Um, and something I was, it's very hard to really articulate strongly enough in terms of what they did for me and the, the generosity and the kindness was phenomenal um, I suppose technology did help on my better days I could FaceTime the kids and as I got better I would do homework with them you know they put me on the table on, on the iPad or even as I got better more better in December I could sit there while they were having their dinner so those moments were sweet but there were also challenging moments when my daughter would FaceTime me when she was walking to school and I would have to pull it out of somewhere to answer the FaceTime I had a deal with the nurses that I could take the mask off for a few minutes and give them my best, as you know, as best I could and then recover for a while after the call. But yeah, those tiny bits of connections really helped. WhatsApp with my mum and dad and my, my siblings and my friends, those little messages that I might not be able to see for a few days, but those small things had to be 
had to fill that gap when I couldn't see John or the kids uh, for so long. And Louise, how are you now? Because we're hearing an awful lot about long COVID and the effects of long COVID. Did you get? Did you have any symptoms of long COVID yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. What I would say is, obviously, I have my own health issues. But what I would say now, I'm seven months out of the hospital. So for the first two months, I was on two and a half months. I was on twenty four seven oxygen. As in, I had a machine. I had the oxygen on full time, and I slept. If I moved around, when I went downstairs, I had the machine actually carried down, follow me around the place. And I couldn't walk for the first month. Combination of lying in the bed for 50 days and um, steroid myopathy where the steroids had damaged my muscles. But since then, I'm much more back to myself. I'm working again since May. Uh, but everything is that bit harder. So I do suffer from breathlessness a lot. So I can go for a walk for about 10 minutes, but I need my stick because I'm still quite wobbly with, with my muscles. And... Also, I get like the last few minutes of that 10 minute walk is really challenging. Mm. So I'm either with my husband or I have a stick. I couldn't do it like just by myself. Um, and short distances, I have to drive them now rather than walk because I just wouldn't have it in me to do anything after I got there. And then things like I'm very nauseous. As eating is still a challenge. I have some gastro procedures coming up. And then, um, you know, there's still kind of a lingering anxiety, which I'd say is somewhat maybe the medication causing that. But also, I guess, what I went through and then just, general uh, fatigue like wipe um, so I work away during the week but my weekends are very often I'm in bed resting recovering mm-hmm. um, and so just everything is harder and slower like going up the stairs is a challenge and my lungs struggle going up the stairs and then going down the stairs my balance isn't great so I have to be very careful um, I, I can't do things fast anymore because I might fall over um, so lots of things my body is definitely compromised and continues to be so um, now, having said all that, Fiona, I mean, I, I would take where I am now. I'd have grabbed it with both hands yeah. last November, December, because I'm back functioning, you know, doing regular things, um, making the dinner, you know. I can go to my kids' GA matches now, albeit I have to sit down. I haven't got it in me to stand at a match, so I have a little seat that I bring with me. Mm. And um, so it all, I mean, I can find ways of getting on most things, but everything is just that bit harder and continues to be that bit harder. And I suppose it's quite frightening as well, not knowing when you will get back to yourself. Yeah, um, I expect to when I've gotten as far as I possibly could. You know, I'm, I'm great for pushing through. And mm. like, so yesterday, we're up, we're, yesterday we went for a walk, the five of us, but I had to take my painkillers first and then I had to bring my stick. So, you know, the way, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be right back to where I was. Um, uh, I'm improving slowly, but... I do feel I'm a bit crocked, for want of a bit of a word, you know, yeah. and everything is just harder and it's a real strain uh, kind of day to day. Uh, but as I say, you know, I am so much better and mm. functioning relatively normally. So I'll take that with bells on, you know. Absolutely. And hopefully you'll continue to get better as the yeah. days go on. Yeah. Um, what would your message be, uh, Louise, to people who, you know, are maybe saying that, COVID, you know, it's not something to fear. You know, you hear an awful lot of people saying, oh, it's just like a cold. And for some people it is, but for some people, um, you know, it is that bit more serious. Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult one to comment on when, yeah. I mean, I'm not a medical expert and I'm not an economist and I see all angles of the fallout of the lockdown and the ongoing restrictions. And so, I mean, absolutely empathise with businesses and individuals who suffered, but I think that, if, you know, you cannot overstate the danger of COVID if you get it and either perhaps you're vulnerable or you're older or even you just get a really bad 
dose of it. Mm. But when it comes bad, it is it is literally life threatening. You know, I'm so grateful to to be upstanding and to be here because it may have gone the other way. And so while I'm all for, you know, people starting back in their lives and sports and businesses reopening, you know, we can't be too blasé about that. Yeah. We still need to take our precautions. We still need to be very careful. I mean, I'm double vaccinated now, but I'm still quite wary um, and fearful, to be honest. And mm. that's not who I am as a person, but I've seen what can happen if you get COVID and it affects you badly. And I've seen what the consequences can be and are. And all I would say to people is that being respectful of everybody isn't too much of an ask. You know, take care, be conscious that you might get COVID and it might be like a bad flu for a couple of days. But someone you don't know standing next to you, if they were contacted through your, you know, faults or negligence, mm. then it could be life-threatening and life-ending for them. And I just need people to remember that. I mean, you know, we need to keep going positively as best we can. But for some people, uh, it will always be a life-threatening danger. And so I just think it's about respect for everybody, whilst equally, you know, we all want society to reopen. I would be the first to say that. Yeah. Um, and I've seen the positive impact on my kids and my husband with the GA reopening and with them back with their friends. It's wonderful to see. And they'll go back to school in September. But, you know, we have to softly, softly, you know, we, we don't need to live in extremes. I, very often the arguments are polarised. You either completely reopen or, oh, no, we can't do anything. I, I think very few people actually take those positions. People are reasonable, but it's just about being respectful and being careful. Yeah. Professor Louise Crowley, thank you so much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM and for sharing your story. Corks 96 FM.